Welcome to the Parent University Podcast. Parent University is a monthly training seminar for parents of teenagers here at Perimeter Church. It is our desire to come alongside families by equipping them to lead their children in a biblical, God-honoring way. We hope you enjoy the following talk. We're kind of going through this whole semester of uh, communication breakdown. So welcome this morning is Communicating with Your Teens, part one. Um, so this should be, a, should be a fun one, a good one. Um, just so you know, these tables are just a suggestion, you know, so you're not, we're not saying that you can only be friends with other Norcross parents or other Johns Creek parents. So sit where you like, this is just a suggestion so that you can, uh, connect with some other parents from the same school your kid goes to. But, um, hey Mark, if you would go ahead and throw that, uh, first thing up there. Let me ask you guys, how many of you have found yourselves saying, this or something like this. Your room looks like a bomb went off in there. Your friends, where in the world do you find these people? Um, because I said so, that's why. Uh, your curfew was an hour ago. What are you thinking? How many times have I told you, don't ask me again? There, there, there's some people with their hands going up on every one of them. Uh, you're acting just like your mother or your father right now, but in a negative way. You don't care about anybody but yourself. How many of us have found ourselves saying statements like that? Are there, um, are there any other common statements that, that is said in your household that, that I didn't put up here? Just out of curiosity, yes, ma'am. Yeah, oh, yeah. She's like, oh, I'll just, I'll just raise my hand to participate. Just stop talking. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Just stop talking. Yep. Do you think I'm stupid? What is their answer to that? That's where it could either go well or not so well, depending on the response to that. Act your age. And then my son's like, but I'm only five, Daddy. If you don't do X, Y is going to happen. Yeah, I love that one. So let me ask you all this. Who, whose fault is it that we find ourselves saying all this stuff? In other words, what do you think, how much of this is an overreaction on our part versus bad choices or irresponsibility on their part? And so let's even think specific, okay? Let's think percentage-wise. So when we look at maybe the first one, your room looks like a bomb went off in here. When we find ourselves saying something along those lines, what is the percentage of it's an overreaction on our part versus bad choices or irresponsibility on theirs? Would you say, what, if we said 50-50, 50% overreaction on our part, would you say that number is higher or lower? Lower? 40-60, you think lower than that? 40% overreaction on our part, 60% irresponsibility on their part? You'd say that's about right? Okay, that's interesting. What about something like your friends? Where do you find these people? What's percentage overreaction on our part versus bad choices on their part? 50-50, higher or lower on our part overreaction? Depends on their friends. That's true. Higher or lower, 50-50. Higher on our part, overreaction on our part. So like a 60-40, almost opposite. So we could go through 
down each one of these and, and really start to look at, hey, I, you know, I'll say these things to my kid, but how much of it is I've had a bad day or they've done some other things where I've just become fed up and so I'm just overreacted and saying this versus how much of it truly is they're just making bad choices and they're being irresponsible. It's interesting when you think of it from that side and really think about the things that we say to our kids. Um, Because I think in the end that we all have some type of responsibility, right, on the amount of tension that's in our homes when it comes to communicating with our kids, specifically with our teens. And so if you look on your tables in the middle, face down, there's a stack of papers. And if y'all could grab that in a pen, it's, uh, it's called What is Communication?, And so what I want you to do is here in a second, I want you to take a couple of minutes and consider these comparisons of of communication to games that you're familiar with. And I want you to decide which game is the best example of communication to your teen. For example, maybe you're saying, well, it's kind of like bowling. So when people fire their thoughts down the alley, they're aiming toward the target and we're just doing our best to keep it out of the gutter, right? Or maybe you're going, you know, communication with my teens more like tennis, right? Which is that, that, that could be a great thing. You know, the ball goes back and forth. And so in communication, ideas are tossed back and forth, and we take turns serving and responding. So what I want you to do is just take a couple of minutes and kind of identify which sport do you feel like is, is communication between you and your child. Um, and maybe even just kind of write out that thought. I'd, I'd love to kind of hear comparison on that. And so I'm going to just give you a couple minutes for that. All right. We're going to start wrapping up. How, how many of you, that, that was tough to kind of figure out? Thank you for being brave. She had her hand up and looked around and went, oh, nobody else. Um so, so it's pretty easy for most of y'all. What, I, I'm just curious, what's, what's a couple examples? What was the sport that you were able to identify when it comes to communication with your team? Skeet shooting? Oh, man, I'm not even sure about that. Do you really have something behind that? Yeah? Well, I, I, I'm very curious now. He's like deer hunting. I pounce on my child with a butcher knife. Sometimes I feel like our son lobs things in the air and just, you know, tempts us to take a shot at it, you know, and see if we can hit it. And then, oh, you missed that one. We'll try this one, you know. That's good. I love it. I'm waiting for someone to be like UFC is the one we picked. Have we had one over here? Yep, there we go. Well, somebody at our table said that uh, communication is like hockey, the hockey fight always breaks out and, and then the other one was uh like charades uh you think you have it it's really simple but they don't seem to get it yeah those are good ones i love it it just kind of helps us identify kind of what is that communication and so at the bottom of your sheet i, I want to point you down to um there's a there's a basic definition of communication it says this It's the process of sharing yourself verbally and non-verbally so that another person can both accept and understand, oh, and there's a typo, what you are sharing with him or her. That's, I work with kids, so I'm constantly text messaging when I write. Um, So let me ask y'all, are y'all satisfied with that definition? 
Is there anything as you're looking at that definition that that you would think that is missing that needs to be added? One direction. Yep, you get free donuts this morning. That's what that's way to have insight. And you were saying, yep, so that's what you were going to say? Yep. Yep, that's the biggest thing. I found this definition and went, you know what, it, it's not complete. It was exactly what you guys were saying. It's not addressing how communication involves listening and even more so insight into emotion. In other words, you know, you've got to think through, if you're going to say something to your son about your friends, where in the world do you find these people, you've got to know he might have just gotten dumped by his girlfriend. And so now you just took a knife and twisted it in that open wound, and he's not hearing anything you say but creating a distance of my parents don't understand me and all they care about is this. And I, So to, to be able to look in and be able to um, – have the the quotient of looking into somebody's emotions and how you engage someone is huge and that's one of our 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 biggest things because the fact is is that listening and emotional awareness is probably I wouldn't even say probably I would say is the most important and the hardest part of good communication Um, I'm gonna bring up Cammie where oh there we go she was camouflaged camouflaged is what she was yeah wah wah but I'm gonna bring Cami up so that she can share her amazing wisdom and insight. Thanks, Cami. Amazing wisdom and insight. I think he was just joking. I come up here to share with you guys how hard it is to be the mother of a teen and how I think I should be doing a better job, but in reality, well, anyway, <laughs> I wanted to come and share with y'all about communicating with my teen. Um, I love to go to the beach. It is for me an almost spiritual place because at the beach, I feel my smallness and God's bigness. And so I can sit in my beach chair when the kids let me. And as I watch the waves come in and go out, I just, I feel a sense of God's presence. And I love that. And so every year we try to go to the beach. We lived in Florida before we lived here. And and so every year we try to go to the beach and Um, This past summer, we went to the beach, but the weather was just terrible. A hurricane hit off of the coast, and so we just got these horrible winds and rain the whole week we were at the beach. And I was feeling a bit robbed, I'll be honest. I was feeling a bit robbed, but we're on our drive home, and we stop at some friend's house in Jacksonville, and they don't live too far from the beach. So I thought, this is my last chance to go to the beach. And my daughter had other plans. Um, she is the oldest between our two families. There are seven kids and she's the oldest. And as I was packing to get ready to go spend the day at the beach, she was planning a coup. I'm not kidding. A real coup. She's out at the pool talking to the little kids about how you don't really want to go to the beach and da, 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 da. So she comes in to me and she says to me, no one wants to go to the beach. Well, I dismissed her. (laughs) I didn't listen. I didn't want to listen because she was messing with my plans. So the dialogue went worse. 
from downhill from there. And it ended with me saying to her, I don't care what you want. We are going to the beach because I'm in charge and I get to choose and you don't. So just get over yourself and go get ready. Well, I won. We went to the beach. Except my daughter did not concede defeat easily. Instead of submitting to my authority, she refused to engage. And she sat under the beach umbrella looking like she had just been, you know, abused, um, as if she'd been sentenced to the worst of fates. And so I'm in this emotional dilemma because I finally got to go to the beach. It was one of those perfect beach days, you know, the sun's up and the wind's just the right amount of wind. And all six other kids are out in the ocean and the sand making sandcastles. And it's just this beautiful Florida commercial moment. And um, she's sulking under the beach umbrella. And I am getting mad because she was stealing my joy. So Jeff has seen all of this take place. And he did not intervene, even though he's an expert on teens. And I didn't want to ask him his opinion because I was quite certain that I had done everything wrong. And I just didn't want him to confirm my suspicions. So instead, as I'm sitting on the beach watching the six children play happily and the one behind me sulking, I relived the conversation, and I justified everything that I said. I was in charge. She wasn't. Um, Why did she have opinions? I did not give her opinions. Why did she have opinions about what we would do? And I didn't ask her input, and I didn't ask her to influence the other kids. And so she just needed to get over herself because honestly, honestly, I did not care what she wanted. Honestly, I didn't. So Jeff sees me brooding under the umbrella. So she's sulking and I'm brooding. And he comes and takes my hand and we go for a walk. Well, I'm quite certain I did not inhale. The whole walk down the beach. And finally, I get to the end of my tirade and I say, so I guess I've done everything wrong. And he wisely looked at me and didn't pass judgment, but he said, well, has the result been what you wanted? Well, no, of course not. She's over there sulking under the umbrella, and she's ruining this beautiful day. And he says, so what could you have done differently? And I said, well, When I said I don't care what you want, it just seemed to get, things seemed to get a lot worse. But I was just being honest. I didn't care what she wants, and I would have said the same thing to any of our children. In fact, I'm sure I said the same thing to Lexi the other day. And then he looks at me, and he says, well, would you have said the same thing to me? And I said, well, no, I wouldn't have said I don't care what you want because I do care what you want. You're an adult and you deserve a certain level of respect. 
but she's not an adult. She's a kid, and she needs to remember she's a kid. And I shouldn't be expected to talk to her the way I talk to you. And he said to me, well, she's growing up. And even if you don't want to admit it, she wants to be treated like an adult. You can refuse to talk to her like one, but doing so will probably end in the same way. I'm not saying you have to give her what she wants, but you have to communicate in a way that makes her feel respected and heard. It's different than when she was little, and you have to change the way you communicate with her. Well, I would like to say that I listened so well to his wisdom, and I saw that I hadn't done things right, and yada, yada. But I didn't, because I was mad. And I didn't want to treat her like an adult. That's just the truth. Um, I want her to act like it. Like It's almost like I want to go... If her room is clean like an adult's room is clean, then I'll talk to her like, a, like an adult. But she hasn't earned that. But when I replayed the events of the day, I had to ask myself if my way is the highway, is the way, like, what is that going to do to our relationship over the long haul? Um. Could I have done things differently? Was I being right at the expense of being loving? It's not that I had to change my message, but I had to change the way I communicated my message. How many incidents would it take for our relationship to be mortally wounded if I continue in this path? So, since last summer, I've been trying to do better. I've tried to listen better, just to begin with listening. And I'll be honest, often it takes more time and energy than I think I have. (laughs) That's why I don't want to do it. It's much easier to say, my way. It's much easier to say, obey, than it is to communicate with the level of respect that is the most beneficial. But in those moments, I have to draw on the Lord to respond lovingly. I can't tell you how many times I've had to stop and pray because my default of communicating with my team is not the most beneficial for our relationship. And it's like walking a tightrope. There's her expectations, and there's my desire for expediency and my lacking energy. (laughs) And if it were not for the Holy Spirit coming alongside me, I'm sure our relationship would be doomed. But thankfully, the Holy Spirit equips me to respond with more grace than I feel or she deserves. So anyway, I just want to encourage you from one mom that this communicating with our teens is hard, but it is different than what it was when they were little. And um, I just want to acknowledge before Jeff gets up and speaks how hard it is for me too. Me too. It's hard for me too. Okay.
It is amazing how much um, preparing you, how many illustrations we get from our own home pretty much every day. <laughs> There's something new, and we go, I got to write that down. I have to, have to figure that out, how we can share, um, because we are in this struggle too. Uh, and we're at the front end, you know, just to remind y'all, I have four kids, and my oldest is a sophomore. He'll be turning 16 this summer, so I've got a lot of learning yet to do in this whole idea of uh, training teenagers. A lot of what I hope to share with you all comes from working with teenagers for as long as I have, because I see their side so much more, and I always want to make sure that you all have the information that you need as we're making these decisions. Um, the, the thing, as we dive into this idea of communication and communicating with your teen today, uh, we're, it's pretty simple. We're going to hit a few things, and, and you know most of these principles. These are not uh, rocket science. I'm not going to pull something out you probably have never thought of, but it's just good for all of us to be reminded. I mean, really, the first one comes out of this walk down the beach that Cammie and I had last year, and it was this idea of respect. So that's really the first point, the first place we're going today when it comes to communicating with your teenager, and that is this idea of respect. Um, that's something that we take for granted or we, we don't necessarily think about. And this is really a foundation that I want you to consider in talking to your teenager. Um, the, the proverb 15.1 says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We could, uh, I was looking through Proverbs a lot preparing for today, and there are tons of Proverbs about how we communicate with each other. And this, this proverb works great with the situation that, that Cammie and I experienced on the beach that day, right? Uh, that the way that she, it doesn't mean that she was wrong in the things that she was saying, but when she threw out that bomb, I don't care what you think, do you understand if you like dissect that, that, that gets under the surface of it to say, as a person, what you think is not valuable to me. You see where the, the violation of someone else's personhood kind of comes out of that. Now, it doesn't mean that Cammie was wrong. She was, a, she, she was the authority. She was in charge. What Tirza was doing, the coup she was trying to pull, was not appropriate. You know, all of that was right, but just the whole situation escalated in a way that it didn't necessarily have to because of the violation of the principle of respect. And a lot of us are you know, the, the rules change because, and I, was, I try to think deeply about this, I think when our kids are little, you have this idea of childlike faith, right? The childlike faith that kids have, which Jesus talks about, right, in becoming a Christian, is that our kids trust us so completely when they're little, right? I mean, there's this deep trust that they have. So when we say, don't cross the street, you know, they, I mean, obviously you can have a child who is going to go their own way no matter what, but generally our kids trust us when we, when we, they learn to trust us anyway as we do these things, but then something changes and the rules start to change when they become, start to become their own person, they start to think for themselves and they start questioning what we're saying, 
right? Now, all of a sudden, they have their own opinion about what's, what's going on, and it doesn't always jive with our opinion, and then we're kind of offended at that prospect. And yet, I want us to remember that we're trying to develop mature and equipped adults who have a strong sense of self. We actually want to cultivate in them their own decision-making process, right, and their own opinions and, and so on. It's just when it doesn't jive with ours, it really <laughs> kind of throws us for a loop uh, when that happens. So thinking about this, I, I can remember the rules change about being little. When I, when I was, uh, we had, my sister left home, my oldest sister, when she was 18, and we had a definite pecking order in my household growing up, and I can remember she came home, and I was probably 17 or 18, and my other siblings were all in their 20s. I'm the youngest of four. And I remember she came home, and we were getting ready to go somewhere. And she said, well, I get the front seat, because we had this rule that the oldest kid gets the front seat. And she's like 26, you know? And, I, and, I'm, and the rest of us just kind of looked at her like, are you serious? Like, that rule passed away a long time ago. And you were not at home, but you can't come home and think that you can just re-implement these childhood rules that happened when you were, when you were here. You know, I'm not, I'm not six anymore, and i got to climb way in the back. You can climb in the back. You know, and it was funny because the rules had changed, but she did not realize it. And that is what happens with us, right? That's one of the reasons I think teen, having teenagers can be so difficult is we kind of get our family going in such a system where it's working so well and everybody understands how it's supposed to work and then suddenly our kids have their own opinions. Like maybe they don't want to go to the beach and that's such a simple thing and yet it can turn into uh, something else. Um, again, we want them to develop this. We, we need to think about as we're cultivating their sense of self and encouraging that dialogue, it interrupts us and we need to identify why it bothers us. And it could be that we have some idols that need to be dealt with in this area of respect. One, we certainly want the respect, and some of us have an idol of immediate obedience. Okay? That can be an idol that we have. And actually, there's a lot of Christian books and stuff that talk about when your kids are little, you've got to train them, right? A good kid is going to be like, hey, I want you to do this, and they are going to Johnny on the spot immediately obey. And we want order in our house, right? We want control. And so those things start to, and again, like I said, we can get our household running really smoothly if we train our children on this idea of first-time obedience. And it's a wonderful thing. Um, but as they become their own person, now we enter into more negotiation. We enter into more what, what they now have an opinion about what we're doing and so on. And if we have this idol that they will do what we say, right, Johnny on the spot, boom, that doesn't fit with that. You, you understand that the two don't go together. And the conflict that you're going to have and the level of conflict when you, because what you'll do is run them over and say, I really don't care. I, I mean, that's what you're, even if you don't say those words, we start to communicate that. Yes, I understand you're developing your own opinion, but it really doesn't matter to me. And you can see that in the long run, that is not a winning strategy for us. So we need to identify that idol in us. And this idol that I talked about last week when we were talking about our own barriers, um, I have this 
sin nature, and I don't want to be bothered by taking the time to go into something and unpack that, right? That's the other one. It's inefficient to go after our kids' hearts. It's very inefficient, and it sometimes I don't want to take the time to do it. Cammy, that day, again, we can use that as an illustration, she didn't want to sit down with Tirza and talk to her about why they wanted to go to the beach. She just wanted her to do what she wanted and get in line. And so it's inefficient drawing our kids out. It's inefficient explaining why we want to do the, uh, go a certain direction. And because of that, we often don't take the time to do it. Um, this whole idea of respect of persons comes, it's, you find it really throughout the Bible. I mean, you can start in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, right? It, we're created in the image of God. But you see that working itself out even in, in the book of James. In James 3, verse 9, it says, With tongues we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Okay, you see, whether you knew it or not, the principle, I'm sure most of you are familiar with Jesus saying, if you call someone a fool, you're in danger of of the fires of hell, right? This is that principle worked out. The reason it's so damaging to call someone, to curse someone, is you're cursing the image of God that is found in man. Um, And that is a holy thing to God. That is a precious thing. Even though we are a broken, marred image, calling someone a fool in, in those terms Uh, in this idea, he's saying we curse human beings and it's evil to do so because they're, they're image bearers of God. And our little children are image bearers of God. They're created specifically. He's made them just the way they are. He is, he is developing them into human beings and we have to start showing respect to them. And I think honestly, it doesn't just start when they're a teenager, right? You really need to respect your, your little child as well. It's just, like I said, I feel like there's this, this sense of this faith that they have that we get used to in our decisions that suddenly stops working. And that can, can really throw us for a loop. So the first principle in communicating with your teen is respect. And I really want us to think about that as a foundation. How are we respecting them? You know, The second thing, and this is uh, something that I think about all the time, and so I'm just I'm sharing it. Most of you have probably heard this illustration. Uh, it is the idea of deposits and withdrawals, okay? Um, I, years ago, over 20 probably, I read a book. I don't even know what book it was. Maybe some of you will know it off, off the top of your head. But many counselors have written this idea of when you're in relationship with someone, if you think of a love bank, right, there is a bank that... that and when you say kind things to them, you're depositing love in their bank account, so to speak. And when you say negative things or do negative things, you're withdrawing uh, love from that account, okay? And I don't know, for me, I just wanted to throw this idea out there in case you haven't heard this before. It is a very helpful analogy for me to think about when I'm talking to my teenager or to anyone really, but in the case of our, our student, to think about, okay, what, what deposits have I made in their life recently? Have I been, have have we had positive interactions? Because I have spoken with kids uh, in my D groups over the years and things like that where they will tell me, for example, that it's a war zone in their house and there's never a positive conversation. Like every time they interact with their parents, they're being instructed or uh, critiqued or 
Um, you know, it's just, it's never fun. And how do you think they respond to that? They don't ever want to be, they, you know, when they can drive, they don't ever want to be home. They don't ever want to be around mom and dad because mom and dad are always just trying to fix them. And so it's helpful to me to think about this idea of deposits and withdrawals. Um, have I made any deposits lately? Uh, and I think you can find this idea in, uh, in Scripture. We've got Hebrews 12, 11 says this, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Okay, so we have to discipline our kids. We have to instruct them. We need to be doing that, and it's painful at the time. It's going to feel like a withdrawal. When we instruct them, they're not going to like it, generally speaking. I mean, most people aren't like, oh, thank you. I mean, when was the last time your child was like, thank you for grounding me? This is a great experience. You know, it's it's probably not going to happen that way. Um, Proverbs 16 says this, the hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent and their lips promote instruction. I I love that one. Uh, The hearts of the wise make their mouths prudent and their lips promote instruction. Again, how we approach our kids is a huge factor in this, in this whole idea of deposits and withdrawals. And again, we have to be honest that not all of our withdrawals are instructional, right? Sometimes we're just flat out sinning against our kids. (laughs) We are just grumpy or we're snappy and we we may it may not be instructional at all um hebrews 3 says out of the same mouth come praise and cursing my brothers and sisters this should not be can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring my brothers and sisters can a fig leaf bear olives or grapevine bear figs neither can salt spring produce fresh water so when we're making these deposits and these withdrawals um we are not we're supposed to be primarily encouraging, and even the way we correct, do it in a way that, that promotes this communication and promotes that. Um, and this, somebody asked me, um, one of my staff members said, well, what do you do when you don't have any, when you, when you do completely drain your positive account, okay? What do you do then? Because some of you might be in a situation where you're saying, maybe you have a child and things are just rough, okay? And maybe things for a while have been going in a negative direction. And it's just negative, negative, correction, correction, negative, negative. And really what I would do is I don't think it's ever too late to come clean with your child and sit down with them and say, I mean, I don't know what, what they may not respond well to this, but I, I would think if you sit down with them and say, you know what, I don't like where our relationship is. I hate it that every time we talk, it turns into an argument. And I want you to know from my point of view, I want to work on this. And here's my plan, you know. And, and take them, uh, and you need to think in terms of this deposit and withdraw, how can I make deposits? And we, we've talked about these things in here before. Like a lot of it might be taking them on a weekend retreat. Like this time of year, hey, we're, we're going skiing. We're going to go to North Carolina or West Virginia or Colorado, wherever. We're going to go skiing. And we're going to spend the week, and it's just going to be you and me. And I'm not going to try to fix you while we're there. We're just going to have fun. We're going to go eat out. We might see a movie. We're going to ski all day, and we're going to have that. And now, your child may not want to do that. If things have gotten bad enough, they may resist that kind of 
of togetherness time. But if they know your heart behind it and you say, look, we're just going to go and be together. And I want to hear you. What's going on in your life? Tell me what's going on. Uh, ask them questions. Tell them about your life. Tell them about your childhood. And just try to spend some time making deposits. And so for me, this is a, a helpful idea uh, to think about that. And the question that you need to ask is, when was the last time you thought about your balance with your kid? Because if you, when you have a positive balance, uh, you know, that you're running in the black, then you need to do that corrective action. That's easy to do. But if you're in the red and you've been running in the red, then when you need to do that, it's not easy to do. And it, and it so thinking about it in this term can help you to say, wait, I need to spend some time positively making some deposits in my child's life. Um, and the other thing, the last point for today in this idea of communicating is related to this because we're going to talk about timing. This is one of the things that really has thrown me with, uh, with my daughter that I didn't really expect is how important timing is when it comes to communication. Um, and I'm not that great at, <laughs> at the timing thing. Uh, sometimes we have the right instruction, but this is not the best time to, to communicate that. Uh, let me give you an example. And I've, I've shared this example before of a night when my daughter said, hey, Dad, will you come in and pray for me? And I hadn't seen her all day. And she was going to sleep. And I went into her room, and there was a wet towel on the floor. Really, there was probably several wet towels on the floor. And that had been something she'd been instructed many, many times not to do. And so even though I'm walking in there and I'm wanting, I mean, it's a beautiful thing, right? Your daughter, your teenage daughter wants her dad to pray with her is a beautiful thing. I hadn't seen her all day. So, of course, I went in and I ignored the towel and I prayed with her, right? No, that's what I should have done. That would have been the wise thing to do. That would have been me going in and saying, what's going on in her context? I, or even thinking, I haven't seen her all day. A towel is really a small thing in the scale of life. And instead, I went in and said, I know I've heard us complain about the towels 50 times, and she's not done, she's not paid attention, and here, this is the 51st time. I better nip this in the butt while I see it, okay? That's what I did, and that's what I thought, and that ruined the moment completely, right? Our interaction was not good. She went to sleep feeling completely unloved. I left not feeling great. I couldn't sleep. You know, the whole thing was just a big mess. And I ended up going in there. I don't know if I went back in that night or in the morning and, you know, talked to her. and just. But I just had to apologize and just say, I was a jerk. I'm sorry. You were right. I mean, I was right about the towel. But <laughs> clearly, I wasn't thinking about the situation. And that was a small thing uh, in the course of that. Um, we've learned this with her. My daughter does a lot of productions and drama and stuff like that. And uh, last year at Christmas, they had a big musical at Duluth. And she was so stressed out. And we just butted heads that entire week. I mean, about everything. Uh, and so even in that context, this year, we learned. I mean, we said, okay, wait, there's a big production going on. We're not going to care about messy rooms or chores or clean the kitchen or anything. We're just going to be supportive. And she can have her friends over to get ready every day after school. And we're going to do all these things. 
and we're just going to cart her, even though she wasted the last minute, to say, oh, by the way, I don't have a costume the day before, and all this stuff. We're just going to do it. And we did. And it was so much better. It was so much better. It doesn't mean that if there weren't things that needed to be dealt with, that maybe we didn't have a conversation after the fact. But in the midst of the stress, we did not. Because right then, it's finals are going on and the drama and all that. And we didn't need more drama at our house on top of the drama that was going on in school, right? We didn't need that. And so we learned, hey, timing is important. As a pastor, when you teach something, uh, they want you to exegete a passage, right? That's drawing the meaning out of the context of a, of a passage of Scripture. I'm asking you to exegete your child's world before you instruct them. What's going on in their life right now? How can you look in to see what's happening? Now, here, that may lead you to the next thing. I don't know what's going on in my child's world. That's problem number one that probably needs to be dealt with before you can do number two, right? You have to have, you have, to have a relationship with them where you know what's going on in their life and world so that you can communicate effectively. If you don't know, you're going you're gonna to make, you're going to stumble and fall at different times as you interact with them. Uh, another thing that happened over Christmas break for us uh, to illustrate this is we had, um, we needed to have a broader discussion in our family about chores. We came and I didn't like the way things were going. I didn't feel like our kids were, uh, we needed to have some conver- hard conversations just about expectations, ours and theirs and things like that. And we decided to put that conversation off until the middle of Christmas break. Why is that? Well, we knew by then we will have made a lot of deposits, right? They'll be out of school. The stress of school's over. And we would have been having game time as a family, renting movies from Redbox, you know, making Christmas cookies, hanging out, making deposits, deposit, 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 deposit. Well, now we can have a hard conversation. In the middle of that, when we're not stressed out and when we're not in the heat of an issue, like to have that conversation about chores in the middle of them not doing their chores doesn't go well for you or them. If you can get away from the situation and then calmly say, okay, now that we're not even in the middle of that conflict, let's talk about that conflict. I think it's going to go so much better for you to have that conversation later than it does in the midst of it. Um, a, a great idea or analogy for this is the stock market, right? You, uh, you want to make money, you want to invest, but there's times to invest, and your stock's going to go up in value. And if you invest at the wrong time, what happens? It goes down. And if you try to invest and instruct your child without thinking and looking at the market and whether it's up or down, they may not receive it at all. Okay, so the timing of this is huge. The other thing I want to say is there is a difference in moral versus responsibility issues. With our teenager, so many of the conflicts that we have have to do with childish irresponsibility, right? Uh, Are they doing their homework or chores or things like that? And they're really issues of responsibility. They're not moral issues, okay? You can't always wait on timing for a moral situation, all right? If your child's caught in a lie or, you know, deceiving you or something or defying you, that needs to be dealt with probably right then on the spot. Now, it doesn't mean in the heat of the situation, punishments need to be doled out and everything. You know, you might want to deal with the situation 
and then come back later after everybody's calmed down to think about consequences and things like that. But it is it does make a difference, like a lot of things that Cammy and I are talking about, like even going to the beach or not, right? That wasn't a moral decision. Uh, whether or not the towel was on the floor wasn't a moral thing. It was it was more a responsibility thing. So think about that because that can affect um, how you deal with that. Proverbs 16, 21 says, The wise in heart are called discerning, and a gracious word promotes instruction. And Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent, and discerning if they hold their tongue. I mean, even that, that second proverb, notice that it says, There is a time to keep silent, right? There is a wisdom sometimes in saying, Yeah, I have the right to say this. Or this does need to be said, but maybe it doesn't need to be said right this second. I need to think about the context of what's going on right now. The other thing, and this is just a reality, that um, when we're in the heat of anger, often we say things we regret. Um, Often they don't receive it because they're emotionally charged. So emotion can cloud both the giving and the receiving of information, right? And so... How you do that, you know, if things are heated, again, how you can time out and come back can be, can be very helpful. And then the other thing is we as parents have to weigh the cost of doing what we're, doing what we're saying right now. Like, again, going back to the beach illustration, sometimes we have to weigh the cost. If we do this instruction right now, we're getting ready to go to the beach, right? And, again, the, the way the sulking and the things like that kind of clouded our whole experience. I realize as parents, we have to make those decisions, right? Sometimes you have to go, okay, wow, we're getting ready to go out to dinner. Is this really the best time? Because if, if we do this now and then we go out to dinner, no one's going to have fun at dinner, <laughs> right? Have you had those kind of experiences? And then you're like, this is this. So maybe you wait till after dinner so you can at least enjoy your food, okay? So we have to make those decisions as parents. Sometimes, you know, weighing the cost, not only the context of their of, of the emotion that's going on, not only weighing the cost of their life and what's happening and in your life and what's happening, but weighing the cost of if I do this now, it's going to be rough. And we have to do that, right? We're the, we're the grown-ups. Sometimes it is going to be rough and we all have to live with it. But weighing the cost of that can also be, uh, is something that we have to, have to pay attention to. Proverbs 12 says this, uh, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Um, this is just the first part. We're going to do another part of communicating with your teen because we could really, I was talking to Monty Starks. He walked through the back earlier, and he said, we could do a 17-part series on communicating with your teen, right? We just scratched the surface of a few things today. Um, but just to reiterate today, the nuggets that I'm hoping that you pull away with from this are have a foundation of respect with talking to your teenager because that, if you don't have that, it, you, it's going to be rough. Um, think about in terms of deposits and withdrawals. You know, what kind of deposits are you making and what's your balance with your kid? Do you have a positive balance right now or a negative balance? And then timing, what's going on in their world and weighing the cost of saying it and dealing with what you're dealing with right now. What is the cost of that going to be? You know, that's the main things I want you to take away from today. And I want to close with this from James 3. 
And you should be, a lot of you are familiar with this passage. He says, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes a great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. James has some pretty, you know, it's a pretty stark warning. All of us have a tongue, right? We all use our mouth to communicate. And he's not saying, hey, by the way, you know, this is easy. No, he's saying our words are just a small spark, but it's easy for us to light a fire with that, even when we don't mean to. It is so easy to make a, a misstep in this that can set us off in a way we don't want to go to. And, and the things that I'm talking about today are not easy. We're talking about balancing instruction, which we have to do, right? And it's our job to help prepare these kids for maturity. And at the same time, though, how do we do that with gentleness and respect? How do we be firm and yet loving? And these aren't easy things to do. These waters to navigate are, are very difficult. And so I want to encourage you with that. Next week, um, we, or next month, we're going to take a break from communicating with your teen just a month and talk about communicating with your spouse, okay? So all of us have to communicate with each other as we're communicating with our kids, right? And sometimes we can really set each other up for failure in our own parenting with our kids, right? If you and your spouse aren't on the same page, if uh, you got good cop, bad cop, you got all kinds of different things that, and, and how you deal with that. And probably one of you is more lenient than the other with the kids and things like that. So we're going to talk about kind of spousal communication um, next month, and then we'll come back to communicating with your teen part two. Okay. Uh, let me say a word of prayer. And then uh, if anybody has any questions or anything, we can try to address that. And there's definitely probably some more donuts back there too. Uh, Heavenly Father, thank you I just pray for each one of us, Lord, as we try to communicate effectively. Um, Lord, we love our kids, and we have a responsibility to train and instruct them in your ways and in the ways of, the, of being wise because they have to live in a fallen world. And so, Lord, we need your help in navigating these waters. And, uh, Lord, I pray that you would help us to continue to draw out uh, the image of God in our kids, that we would respect and love them, use that as a foundation, and uh, Lord, that you would just show us how to do that and to tame the tongue in a way that we can instruct while, while communicating love and care uh, for our kids as well. So give us discernment and wisdom, uh, guide and direct us in this endeavor. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Um, does anybody have any questions about any of this or comment before we move on? Yeah, in the back there. Yeah. Okay, I don't know if I 
right? The question is, what are some hidden tricks in, in getting your child to, to communicate? Some of you may have a better trick than me. I definitely think that you are dealing with a, there's a couple things. Dealing with boys, teenage boys especially, they can be quieter. Not always. I, I'm very verbose, and my kids are too. Like Zane just talks nonstop, like my five-year-old. I know he's going to be a big talker. But not all, not all boys are that way, and not all girls are that way, for sure. So how do you draw them out? Some of it is putting them in a context, again, where talking can happen. Like when you go to a baseball game versus a football game is a good example. You know, in a baseball game, I'm sorry, if, you, if you're a baseball fan, I think baseball is boring as I'll get out, okay? But, but it's great for conversation because you're just sitting there, you're watching a game, and if you really want to talk to your son, a baseball game is a good place to go because they're kind of distracted and suddenly conversation can start to happen. And it's going to take you more time to cultivate drawing him out um, because you need a context. And sometimes when they're distracted a little bit, like if you're a hunter, which I don't do that either, but if you do hunting and fishing, things like that, there's long periods of time where you're sitting and and you need those nuggets, you know, and definitely asking open-ended questions, not questions that a, a yes or no can answer. Um, like even saying, how, how was your day? You know, fine. You know, what was the retreat like this weekend? Good. You know, I mean, it, right, that's what you're going to get. But if you say, tell me about the best part of your day. Okay. Well, that's a total, it's, you're asking the same thing, but now they can't just say fine, right? Or what was the worst thing that happened to you today? You know, uh, that's a highs and lows. Some people do this, sit around the table at dinner time. Hey, let's do highs and lows. Tell me about the high of your day and what was the low point of your day. That can really start a conversation and, and draw out what, what's really going on uh, at, a, at a more of a heart level. And then, and then you have to follow up question like, so, oh, wait a second. I, how did that make you feel? You said that was the worst part of your day. Well, then what, what, if it made you feel that way, what do you think is going on that caused you to feel that way? See, you can start diving down under, and, and it's, it's a lot more work, right? You're pulling them out of, uh, of the shell a little bit to, to get that situation going. Do you have something? Um, is this on? Yes, it is now. Can you all hear me? <laughs> um, yeah, I, um, I'm right there with a... Um, with a 12, almost 13-year-old son who's quiet, and I think Jeff is all over it. He's going for open-ended questions and um, going to the heart. You know, what are your circumstances? Um, what are you thinking? You don't have to say that that particular thing. Say, what's you know, what's going on today? What's how'd you feel about that? Uh, what are you um, um, feeling? Um, what are you longing for? Uh, what are you choosing? These are kind of questions of the heart, like you're um, going on. One thing that I shared with Jeff last week is um, in 19, um, Bruce, was it 1999 that FCA came up with this concept about the one word? I think it was 1999. A couple of guys that are um, high up in FCA came up with this concept of, of one word. And the one word is what you yourself or your child want to um Think about what you want to do, what your goals, what your vision for the, the, that coming year, like 2014. And so what we've done at my house is each person has a word that they, they've prayed about, they've thought about, 
and they've claimed for themselves as their word. Um, my, um, my word is connect, and uh, my daughter's word is uh, redeem or redemption. Um, my son's word is own. And so one of the things we do um, after school or, or, you know, at night or whatever, say, you know, how did you, um, what, what, did, what did you redeem today? Or what did you own today? Tell me about that. What was your, what was the thing that you owned the best today? And where did you, where did you fail to own something today? And then we can also connect to our, um, in our D group and stuff. We, we ask each other, you know, what was your best, you know, connection today? What was your best redemption today? Whatever your word is. So um, it's kind of a, kind of a nice concept um, to, to, um, to communicate to your kids. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that. I think you can also use pop culture or culture around like a situation that's happening, song on the radio, and I talk about this a lot in here as well, but a situation's happening, hey, what do you think about that? You know, oh, I, you just saw, like, for example, the Super Bowl tonight. There's going to be so much fodder for you to engage your teenager during the Super Bowl. Okay, it can be like two weeks ago, right? Do you remember the Seattle player who jumped in front and kind of puffed his chest up and said, see, Daddy disrespected me, and, you know, and, and right, and he, it was all over the news for the last two weeks. Great place to take your son aside and say, hey, what did you think of that? Talk about sportsmanship. Talk about respect. Talk about uh, why do you think he felt that way? You know, those are questions that, that you start trying to draw them out. But there's going to be commercials. I mean, even if, they don't, if they're, they're not into sports, most half the people watch for the commercials. I'm only there for the food. But that's, that, you know, that's my word, by the way, yeah. eat. Eat. Yeah. So then yeah. they can be like, what would you eat today? What was right. your favorite thing to eat today? <laughs> so I really like that idea. Well, and I, got, I, I wore orange today because I'm going for the Broncos. So just so you know, yeah. I'm a Peyton fan. But uh, any, other, any other questions or ideas? I don't have a question, but I do have something that I started with my 12-year-old son about seven years ago that is very profitable right now. And that is I would lie in the bed with him in the dark, and we would look at the top bunk, the bottom of the top bunk, and I would say, what's at the bottom of your heart? And my rule, I didn't tell him this, was that we, see, we couldn't see each other. We were in the dark. And um, my rule was that whatever he said um, or whatever he confessed, it was not, I would not punish him. And I would not bring it up again unless he brought it up. So it ended up being like a time of confession or maybe something happened with another kid that was very difficult for him to talk about. Um, but through time, we were able to create this safe mm -hmm. space for him to communicate. Then he started confessing things that normally he would get punished for. But I didn't want to ruin that time. You might push that at some point. Like and the way a car <laughs> today. <laughs> but the way that would, you know, be transferred from him was pretty big. So I didn't know what we had started at that time. But now um, it doesn't have to be in the dark. We can be in the car. Yeah. And I can say, hey, what's at the bottom of your heart? But I still keep that same rule. And he'll, he'll just share 
because he knows it's when I mm -hmm. ask that it's safe. But um, I don't I don't want to do it too much. I like what we have there. Right. Um, and he does get punished for things, so I keep it out of that that question time. And then the other thing is I had written down a list of questions. I don't know. I was reading some book and. Um, and I have them in the car. There are about 12 questions, and it's to get them talking. I think it was after camp to try to get them to talk about what happened at right. camp. And I, um, it may have come from y'all, from Probably Camp not. All America. <laughs> and, um, it was really good. It was really good. <laughs> but I, I will pull those out. I mean, I'll, I'll, they know what right. I'm doing now. I'll, go, I'll get a question, and, and then I'll stick it back in there, and then I'll ask them. And they kind of fight over, the kids kind of fight over who gets to answer first. I don't know how long that will last. Right. But um, I've been doing that for a few years. But I think that creating, creating the space um, for that vulnerability, kind of like side-by-side -side time, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. earning that time, earning. Right. Um, no, I think that's great. I mean, I wouldn't put them on your phone because if you're doing this while you're driving, that that would be bad. You could get arrested. But the uh, that whole idea of what what you've done is is amazing. In that, and if you have younger kids, I think we should all take note of this: is you when they're little kept those lines of communication open, right? You Very valued important. them. It's it's really going back to that respect principle, right? You respect them, you're valuing them, you're drawing them out as they're little and keeping those lines of communication open. And that, that is effective. As, as they get older, then those lines, keeping them open is much easier than trying to open a line that's closed. Probably a lot of you have already figured that out, right? <laughs> Once it's closed, it's harder to get that line open again. But keeping it open is, yeah, there's a lot of wisdom in, in, in what you've shared. You could always balance out the punishment, you know. So when he confesses all that stuff, then later when he doesn't eat all his vegetables at dinner, you can be like, you're not driving until you're 20 now because of that. But you're just compiling all the other. Just uh, maybe an uh, uh, interesting question. Is there a way to tie or can you, can you tie for us the gospel into communication? These are great principles. I really appreciate them. They're really, really good and helpful. But I'm thinking now I have to respect I have to make deposits. I have to, um, you know, we'll look, look, look at the timing. How can you tie this? Maybe this is for next time. I don't know. But tie it to the gospel. Well, I mean, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, you know, is, is we, we don't get what we deserve, right? Um, he took all of our pain, all of our sin, all of that onto himself so that, we then receive his righteousness and his perfection. And I think as a parent, it is, it is a very difficult thing because what we're trying to balance, right, is instruction with grace. And there's no quick answer to that as far as, you know, for me, how, how do we communicate? I mean, I think one of the, the primary things is communicating love even in the midst of discipline. Okay, that's... And that's what's hard. I think as long as we're consistent and our kids know we love them, then handling the discipline is, is, is a lot easier. You know, having those, even, if we, even when we blow it, even when we sin against them, right? It's, 
but going to them over and over again and saying to them, even in the midst of when I blow it, like with Tirza, okay, when I yelled at her for the towel, okay? I know it's a silly example. It's just the one that's easy for me to bring up. But in that one for me to go and say to her, man, I need the grace of Jesus. You know, I was wrong, and I'm going to be wrong next week and next month, and I'm going to say something in a mean way, and I'm and I need the blood of Jesus to cover my sin, you know, just like you do. And, and the more we can communicate that, we're just as much a recipient of grace and in need of that as our, as our kids are, I think is going to be, is, is a part of the answer. I don't know if I've fully answered what you're saying, but, but we have to be, show our kids constantly that not only are we extending them grace when they don't deserve it, and punishment at times when they deserve it. But we have to receive that grace too, right? We have to, we need that as well. Um, and so I think that's a key component as you interact with them. Um, we've, we're out of time. It's about 10, 15. So I want to make sure that you guys have plenty of time to, to get to service and stuff. But um, there is a, uh, we have a ski trip going on to Colorado. I don't know if you all are aware of that or not. Uh, it is. It's about $600, and it's, uh, that covers everything but lunch, um, flying out to Colorado and back, ski rental, everything. And we still have some spots open, so I wanted you to be aware of that. And we have even opened that up because at this point, we want to make sure we just cover the trip. <laughs> we want to pay for the trip. So, like, if you and your wife have thought, you know, we'd like to go skiing, and that's a good price, come talk to me. I'm serious. I mean, you're laughing, but I'm saying we're, if we're opening that up, or maybe you want to go with your kids. Come and, and make it more of a family trip because we, at this point, want to make sure that we're being good stewards of, of uh, the church's resources as well. And we, we want to make sure we cover the cost of the trip. And I just want to invite you all to the Facebook page, the, the Parent University Facebook page. We're trying to, be, to start a community and begin a conversation. And so um, Jeff and I are both blogging on that site in the month of February, and please comment. All my insecurities are out there. I'm writing all these things, sharing with you my heart, and if you leave me hanging, I just feel like, <sighs> so, and really, truly, we want to begin a conversation and a, a safe place to share um, that this, to take this throughout the month, because we only meet here every month, and then the other thing I just wanted to tell y'all is, um, Parent University, the early years in the month of February, I'm going to be teaching about engaging your younger kids with Disney movies. So if you have younger kids or if you know people that have younger kids, I just want to encourage you. I'm going to give some real practical guidelines to beginning a conversation with your younger kids. That, I think it's, the, it's like February 26th, I think, but I don't, don't, it'll be in all the information on the website and all that fun stuff. So. But please like the parent you and comment, communicate, engage. Okay. All right. The next parent you is March 2nd. And we are also on Twitter if you're on Twitter and not Facebook. We're doing parent you stuff on Twitter. Gosh, as well. I feel so current. Like we're so on We're edge. not that current. Oh, but okay. We know people who are. So <laughs> they're helping us. Y'all have a blessed right. Lord's Day. Have a great day. You've been listening to the Parent University Podcast. Parent U is a part of the student ministries at Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit the student ministries website at www.perimeter.org students for more information. Thank you.